Hello, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. My name is Billy Newman, and I'm here by myself today. I'm uh, I'm doing one of these solo podcasts. I'm gonna be trying to do a few more of those, along with uh, with just more frequent ones with uh, with Marina Hansen and Dave, who have helped me out a few times. But uh, but yeah, everybody's out of the house right now. I've got the studio set up for myself, and I thought I'd run down a few of the uh, the things that have been going on some of the changes, some of the things that I'm pretty excited about, man. It's uh it's been a little while I guess since I put like a regular photography based podcast out or man, it's been maybe 7 months since I put a solo podcast out. I think everything since December has been um been pretty much just consistent with uh with Marina and that's uh that's really because we got the the mixer set up, we got the second channel uh, or like the, you know, just the other microphone set up and we had everything kind of, you know, working in the flow so we could do, uh, do call-in shows or, or do, you know, two-person interviews, uh, with the equipment that we have. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think it's been like a while, like way back since, I don't know, episode 20 or so of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. Probably things have changed a little bit since then. You know, I was, I think it's been like a year now. I think we're coming up real close to a year of, podcasts for uh for this episode um you know but i don't think they were up online until july if i was looking at it right i think that by the time i actually put the podcast feed live i think that was in july and then i posted like the first 10 episodes all at once um which man you know what there's probably people that listen to those what a shame sorry guys if anybody out there ever tried to listen to episode uh i don't know one through 30 or so shoot who knows Probably this one too is what I'll say in a few episodes. Man, sorry, you guys had to listen to this one. As a matter of fact, I'll give an apology right now to anyone who unfortunately downloaded uh, this feed of the podcast with Billy Newman talking about, I don't know, just the things he's doing with his cameras. So that sounds like an interesting podcast. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, leave a review that says that. That'd be great. (laughs) Maybe I can make it better in the future. I'm trying to think of ways to do it. If you think of a way... Let me know. Tweet me or something at Billy Newman. So the things that are going on that are new, I flashed the I flashed my laptop. I was sick of it. It was too crowded. I got the I got a MacBook Pro last year. So I think actually currently it is it is a modern current model MacBook Pro because I don't think that they switched over to these Skylake processors yet that Intel's had trouble putting out. And I, that's probably coming up at like WWDC. The new MacBook came out earlier this year. I know you're excited about hearing this too. The new, the new MacBook came out with the Skylake processor, but not yet the MacBook Pro. So that means that the MacBook Pro I have from April of 2015 is currently a modern MacBook, which is probably one of the newest things that I've ever bought. One of the most expensive things versus the other two things I'm going to talk about today. It was probably you know, one of the most pricey things that I'd ever bought, but really best laptop I could have. I mean, it was a baseline one. It was like 128 gigs solid state drive with the 13 inch screen on it really 13 inches is fine because you push out to like a bigger monitor whenever you want a bigger screen or you know you're at home and it's great for portability putting it in a bag taking out you know just traveling with it i wouldn't really want a 15 inch or a 17 inch with the type of work that i end up doing all the time granted 13 small but again if you want something bigger you can just drop to a big 27 inch or you know as many other external monitors as you want to have so that part I can handle pretty well. The 128 gig hard drive, that's the part that's really cramped me the most. And I really thought like, oh, you know, like there's a way I can work around it. I can make it 
something, I don't know, possible, acceptable for me to do to, uh, to be able to get through my workflow with 128 gigs. But really now in the modern world and with the size of files that are going back and forth and the bandwidth size just in itself, having this massive amount of bandwidth to move files around quickly, you don't realize how fast 128 gigabytes can be eaten up just by regular, ordinary things that you do with modern computing. And that's what I was really finding out this year. I think it's still on the roadmap for me. Probably one of the last milestones to hit here is uh, swap this 128 gig hard drive out with uh, with like another solid state drive that's closer to a terabyte. I was looking around, and I think uh, I think I found a few on Amazon that were about 200 bucks. This seems to be like the floating price. It seems to be about 200 to 240. I think the best median priced one was around. 220 230 uh, for 900 gigabytes almost a terabyte of solid state uh, memory and a hard drive which is cool man i remember back when was that i think it was the year 2002 i could say 2003 though also and i remember seeing on the screensavers this technology show i used to watch they were at ces that year and they were really excited ecstatic almost this is before thumb drives that they had a drive in front of them that was one gigabyte of solid, of solid state storage and then just three or four years later we had 128 megabyte thumb drives and then eventually by 2006 2007 we had one and two gigabyte thumb drives now we have 16 gigabyte thumb drives that i buy in the checkout line next to the skittles it's just a lot easier now man how different is it i remember 5.6 gigabytes on a dvd but I digress. <laughs> Back on this technology show, there was a drive, a solid state drive that had one gigabyte of storage on it. That's when even just hitting one gigabyte of RAM in a computer was pretty novel. That was like a high end, like a top at the end computing component along with a Pentium 4 that you might have at the time. Gosh, I remember all this stuff. I don't know any of the new stuff though. All the new hardware. Never even studied it. Super into it in middle school. I know that stuff, but man, you got me now. I don't know. What am I saying? I just talked about Skylake and 2015, 2014 MacBook Pros for five minutes. So I guess I'm still keeping up a little bit. So they had this one gigabyte solid state drive. It was considered the fastest drive, the fastest solid state ROM memory storage that was out there at the time. And then now we're looking at as a commodity a $900, excuse me, a 900 gigabyte, almost a one terabyte drive for $200. How insane is that? I remember at the time back in 2002, they were really ecstatic that uh, along with this one gigabyte drive, there was a 100 gigabyte hard drive available. And that was a milestone, a breakthrough in how much storage you could have. And really at the time, I thought that was a ton of storage too. I think the computer that I purchased around that period of time yeah, I had like a 20 gigabyte hard drive. I think that was an industry standard around then. It was like 18 to 20. And then later by the next year or two, it moved up to 40, 60, 80 in that area. But man, that moved really fast during that time. You know, that's, that's part of technology advancement that we, we don't really get to appreciate as much anymore. However, we might say that we're seeing that advancement in the smartphone market right now. But if you look at laptops and software from 2010 to software in 2016, essentially it does much of what it did at the time. There hasn't been that many conceptual advancements in software 
like if you think about a word processor for a second, I guess if you were to think about like Microsoft Word, let's say back in, when did I start using it? Like 2000, sixth grade or so, something like that. When I started using computers a little bit more, let's say sometime around then, jump on Microsoft Word. Essentially in 2016, almost two decades later, well over two decades later out from the conception of the product of Microsoft Word, it's really still almost the same as a product in the way that it processes words for you, the ability that it has to help you do that proficiently or professionally. It does a lot of things. I guess there's a few elements that have gotten better, but essentially there's still a spell checker. There's still a grammar checker and they still get things wrong often. And that's part of what I'm talking about. Maybe we could think about what Google's been announcing a Google IO for a second in kind of a contrasting way to see where the, uh, the computer world is going for a second and then talk a little bit more about how that ties into the photography world and then the digital photography world. But Google's just been talking about a Google IO, all this new machine learning. It's different from artificial intelligence and it seems like it'd be almost the same thing, but I think artificial intelligence, well, there's artificial intelligence, which is what we've heard before commonly in science fiction. And then there's this other thing, machine learning. And Google has been working on this, it says, or it's, it's coming out as saying like, this is, this is a directive that we have, or, you know, we're moving more toward having these products to machine learning using what they love to say, big data to kind of expound on, I don't know, insights that they're getting from this information that they have from all of us or have from all these different services. And so what they're able to do with this is have almost an artificial intelligence experience with someone. They're, they're introducing these chat bots. I think that's the idea. Like the Google assistant is sort of the overall name for this thing. We've experienced like, okay, Google for a long time. If you have the Google app or if you have like an Android phone, you can use Google now. You say like, okay, Google, like, you know, show me what's coffee shops near me. You can get some information for it, but they're expanding this out to, you know, all these kind of personal assistant factors. And the idea is that it's going to be using machine learning in the background to get better at, at sets of tasks. Like maybe you could think they'd use this in the maps department. Machine learning might say that after gathering all this data from an intersection, we're able to kind of predict these traffic flows. And so by machine learning without humans really being involved and coming to this inference of information or this outcome of an experiment, this thought, the machine would do that and then apply that directly to, I guess, however it's interpreting that information. Who knows what that would really end up meaning or looking like. But what it means for us for a while is through machine learning, we might think, well, maybe in the last five years or the last two decades, we'd see some advancement in the way that something like what we were talking about earlier and getting back to the point Microsoft Word would do or Microsoft Office in general you think if there's really these expansions or these developments in the way that we build software, then maybe we'd have a point where we would have machine learning or, or you know, I guess some kind of better automated computer process taking care of some of the writing techniques or writing things for us when we use a program. And we haven't really seen development like that push in that direction. So instead of just spell checker, maybe it would be sentence compiler or it would be translator or it'd be, uh, you know, some more contextually aware um, grammar assistant. All these pieces of software that we really haven't seen 
any development for. And essentially, we've just been sold the same word processor product for the last 15 or 20 years without really any significant advancement, except for maybe you could say export services to the cloud <laughs> or not being able to buy the software at all anymore. That's a new feature. Just having to rent it. I guess it's a great deal. Not for me as much. <laughs> but I've been thinking about that a little bit. You know, the Google stuff with Google I.O. is interesting. I'm not sure how much of it will ever really come to fruition. It seems that way every year after a while. This year, though, they announced some products. They announced some ideas, but we don't really get to do anything with it for a while. I remember years ago when they announced Google+. Plus. seemed exciting for about five minutes, and then you realize you just didn't care. It's too bad it's that way. It's weird. It's probably better than Facebook or better than Twitter at whatever it might do. But it's strange how when you know people just don't use something, it ends up not really being important. I think it's kind of curious how that works. I don't know. They just announced uh, Google Spaces. It's this new product. They still have Google Plus going. It looks like it's going to sunset sooner or later. But Google's kind of been in a bad way about closing off products that they think aren't working, even though not working, you know, still means that 50 million people use the product daily. There's a lot of people in the world. It turns out that you can have like a hundred million people use something all the time. And then it's still thought of as a failure. Seems strange, but man, I don't know. I don't see anybody on Google plus no one. I know no one on Twitter either. I swear. I've been on Twitter for almost a decade. I was one of the first people on Twitter an early adopter, at least the first wave, you know, like I wasn't like day one or something. I think that was probably what, 2006, they say. The first time I heard about it, I think it was after high school, after spring of 2007, I probably heard about it summer, summer or just into college in like August, fall of 2007. That's when MySpace was really hot. Facebook really, I guess only existed for for college students, college campuses. And then it was just opening up to non.edu domain names. Man, that was a crazy time. No way. And then, yeah, I signed up for Twitter that fall. Everybody made fun of me. Said, Billy, you fool. <laughs> why? <laughs> I don't know why they tell me that. Why are you signing up for this pretty cool website? I don't know, guys, because I'm in college. Seems like free. Doesn't seem like a big deal. But I remember by like a year later, yeah, Twitter was taking off a lot more. That's when that the web 2.0 stuff was going insane. And there was like, she, what were those called? I can't even remember their names. There was like Pounce, Jaiku, shoot, Flock. Man, all these like social tools that like disappeared. What was that other one? I think I'm probably thinking of pounds. That was a, that was a decent one for the time, but yeah, it just got wiped out by Twitter, wiped out by Facebook. Dis uh, what was it? Um, delicious. Well, delicious was different early on. That was the link stuff, and then friend finder. No, that's the that's a weird dating service. What was that called? Friend feed. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Everybody remembers friend feed. <laughs> I think friend feeds stuck around until like 2009 and then got eaten up. I think, I think Facebook bought them 
And then they like, they, it was an aqua hire thing where they got their team to work at Facebook, man, Facebook is running away with it. It's crazy. They're huge. And you get like way more stuff from that. You know, I think it was, uh, it's just been like a couple of weeks now that I've had a Facebook page, uh, like a business page set up or, or an entity page instead of just a personal page. So I've been trying to like push that out. I found a couple of things to do and I'm, I'm trying to like invite the, the friend group I have, which I've been trying to build out also into, um, you know, translating that into people that can check out the stuff on the, the Facebook, uh, business page, check out the portfolio stuff. And that's what I'm trying to figure out too. I, I mean, I guess it's just work that I'm not doing essentially, uh, where I need to go through and I need to make selections of each of the, well, I don't know, just my portfolio overall. And I need to try and take that and put that out as like links and images and discussions and stuff on the, on the business page that I have. And I need to try and do promoted tweets, man. There's so much like social stuff that I don't know anything about. I try and spend all my time doing this and I still know nothing, man. That's really ineffective. I don't know if I'm doing it the right way. I've been trying, I think I was, I was thinking now, essentially it's been 10 years that I've been on the track of trying to do computer related, technology related, media related stuff since high school and man like end of high school is coming up real soon i think next year is my 10 year reunion uh which is pretty nuts so i guess all that time in high school i was really focused on it and now all that time outside of high school and into careers and job stuff and you know trying to actually make money in it which is cool man i'm really happy i get to make money as a photographer it's pretty neat i just need to make uh you know more money as a photographer. So, uh, trying to, uh, figure out it, I don't know, become, uh, instantly entrepreneurial. You know, I was thinking, as I say, entrepreneurial, I'm going to get into some other stuff in a second, but I, I was just watching like last night with Marina. Uh, maybe we, we played a little bit on the show, but like the, the Steve jobs, we, I think we were talking about, uh, Jaguars as Steve jobs said in the, uh, in the, the Jaguar, OS 10 announcement back from like 2002, 2003. And I was thinking about that, man, how nutty. It's weird how like there's different pronunciations in different areas of the United States. I was thinking about like different words that we have. And I wonder how that's going to be changed with technology or, you know, with media stuff and or just being able to communicate back and forth with now having nat like nationwide television for, well, really, let's say like the internet for 30 years. That's pro that's really the thing that's made the deepest um, or just the, the furthest expansion of information into everyone's home. It's kind of interesting how that is. I'm not sure. But hey, so this is what I got going on tonight. Um, I have finally got a new monitor, like a 27-inch HP monitor that I picked up on sale deep on the internet somewhere. I got it shipped to me today. I was able to come in, pick it up right at the right time. It worked out really well. Um, the other one that I had, was a 23 inch monitor that, uh, that ended up crapping out on me. Just dead toast. So I don't know. It was a sad day. More than the loss, sent it off to the St. Vincent de Paul down the way. See if uh, someone can do something else with it. And I picked up uh, this one. It's been out for like months though too. So I've had this other one that runs the studio computer for all the podcasting stuff. But really for my laptop, for all the photo stuff, it's just been on my monitor that I have here. And then I haven't, haven't, you know, I haven't had anything else to throw it up onto. So this is going to be great. It's going to, it's going to make some of the video stuff 
way easier and more possible to do. I got to get that figured out. Shoot. I got to get into video stuff. But got the monitor set up. Got the laptop wiped like we started the podcast with. Wow. No way. That was almost 20 minutes ago we were talking about that, guys. And girls. We were talking about wiping my laptop. I erased everything on it. And then now I put on... um, I put on a new copy. It was like the, the most recent update of, uh, of El Capitan. And there's probably going to be a new version coming out, man, in just like a couple of weeks now. Maybe, uh, no, it'll be fall. It'll be fall before something new comes out. Who knows what it's going to be called. There's not even rumors about it yet. But I got a new version or a fresh version, a clean version. I wiped it. I did a clean install. So that means no programs, no settings, no features or anything like uh, left over and added back in. But yeah, I, don't know, I did most of it back myself. Anyway, then I installed the, all the Adobe programs that I use all the time and got those set up in the right way, which is going to help me out so much more than what had been going on before. Um, got uh, a few of the other pieces of, uh, of software back on there. I need to get the film scanning software on there, the drivers, all that stuff. I need to configure that. But, uh, but other than that, man, yeah, nothing, nothing big is what we're doing. So I think what we got is everything wiped off. We got the new Lightroom catalog or the same Lightroom catalog I've been using transferred over. We got it connected to all the photographs again, and that's working great. And then uh, other big thing is I finally, and this is the big Billy Newman photo news, burying the lead 22 and a half minutes in. I have finally bought myself a real professional full frame digital camera. Hooray. I've been trying to do this for uh, probably the decade that I was just talking about. Uh, I think this camera is not a new camera. It is not. Well, it's expensive. It's just uh, much less expensive than it once was when it came out new. I purchased a Nikon D3. It does not do HD video. It does not record video like most modern SLRs in the last eight years have been able to do this. <laughs> this is the first full frame digital camera. Well, maybe that's not true. It's gotta be true. Yeah, it's totally true. This is the first full frame digital camera from Nikon. And this came out back in 2007, I guess sometime middle of the summer. Most people started getting them in the beginning of 2008. People have been talking about them for 10 years, eight years now. What is that? I keep adding a couple of years. Like it's, I'm way older than I am. I don't know why I'm doing that. It's 2006. I'm not 30. I keep saying I'm 30, but I like just turned 27. Oh God. I didn't just turn 27. That's been a while ago. I'm closer to 28 now. Damn. Maybe I am 30. Oh, time is going by. So I got this Nikon D3. It's uh, the first full frame uh, digital camera. It's photos only, essentially. It's got the live view feature in the back, but man, this is a huge upgrade for me. I've been shooting with a Nikon D2H for the last gajillion years. I think uh, middle of college, I spent like $530 for it. Won a bid or a buy it now price on eBay and it was shipped out to me. Uh, some lady back east owned it for a long time. And I really put some work on it. Yeah, it was a great student camera and it was great, uh, you know, for, for the early years of my career. But man, I've been, it's been long in the tooth for a while now. 4.5 megapixels crop sensor. 
real real strange sensor to start with. It comes out really yellow a lot of the time. It's sort of a problem they had in uh, 2002, 2003, 2004 cameras, really. I think they started sorting it out maybe 2005, 2006, I'd say, is really the beginning of the time that digital photography started looking respectable. It really did take about five years for those sensors and the JPEG rendering software to really make those files come out in a way that looked decent, you know, or looked acceptable at all. So, um, but gosh, yeah, I had that camera, you know, for, for the best that you could do in 2003, I was really trying to keep up with that for, uh, for a long time, took it on a bunch of trips, took it out, did a ton of landscape photography with it. I don't know, put a handful of scratches in it myself too. I should look at some old pictures and see how much actual damage I did. I think that people before me probably did more, but man, so happy I get to retire the D2H. It gets to go up on the shelf in the museum as a, an all-star. Uh, or what do they call it? What's like the Hall of Famer? It's a Hall of Famer. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Nikon D3 and how I just got it in the mail today. It's a cool camera. It's been a lot of fun to, uh, to go around and mess around with. I threw a couple compact flashcards in there to run them through. It's my first uh, full frame camera. So I'm super pumped about it other than my film cameras, which have been filled full frame, but you know what I mean? Come on. And uh, so I got uh, the compact flashcards. It's like a four gigabyte one. It's a four gigabyte card. This camera interestingly takes two compact flashcards. It's Kind of a trip, yeah. So you open up like the back hatch where, and I guess almost every, you know, every bay on a DSLR nowadays is going to have SD back there. Really, a very few cameras have compact flash anymore. I'm not even sure if like the D5 does use compact flash. Maybe secure digital is just the way everything's gone. I got to think they do, but there's got two bays in the back for compact flash. I put two four gigabyte cards in and I set it on raw for this camera and it gives me like a hundred pictures, 100 raw pictures per four gigabytes of space on the card, which really doesn't seem like that much. But I guess really what that is, is just the quality increase, like the file size increase for having bigger megapixel or more megapixels. I'm going from like what, 4.2 to 12.1, something like that, just over 12. I think it's some, uh, some range kind of like that. Ah, shucks. Okay, so here's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm putting in the car, well, the compact flash card where I have a bunch of the sample photos that I took earlier today, earlier today, and I'm going to throw those up into Lightroom. We're going to scroll through them for a few. It's like the tightest little thing. I don't know how it works. Am I even putting it in right? Does it go on upside down? What if it really... Oh, no, it totally did work that time. So I've just been trying to sham it in upside down this whole time. I'm an idiot. What was I thinking? Oh, man. Does anyone use the Photos app? I have this Mac. I see, I, from everything I hear, just people like hate the Photos app. I hate the Photos app. I do not use it at all. I don't know what it's good for. And it really bugs me. It's like communicate. I think everything with iCloud so far has really just been sort of a frustration for me. You know, most of the, like the function of 
having your backup synced to the cloud or your photos synced to the cloud so that you can use them from other places. The photo stream features just don't really work for me very well. Or they don't seem to fit in my workflow in a way that really makes sense to me. I want that to be easier, but there's been this problem with Apple stuff recently where it's soft. Well, recently is the wrong word. Maybe, I don't know, the last two decades where it seems like their software, it really pushes you down this path of use that isn't what I want to do. It's not how I want to handle that problem. Like for photos, I don't really like that. It, you know, brings up the photos app every time I put a card in, I know I can change it. I know I can shut stuff off, but I don't like that. It, or, you know, it wants everything to go into the app. It wants it to be like imported through it, but, um, but not just opened. Like, you know, if you would through something else, I get it though. I mean, I, I'm using Lightroom. I have a library of photos in here or like Picasa or there's other tools out there that do, you know, similar types of things, but I don't know. It just sort of doesn't seem to work very well for me. The whole photo stream stuff on the iOS side and then the way that it communicates it to the laptop, it's just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem figured out. It, seems, it still seems like something I have to think about way too much and I still get sort of a subpar mediocre result of, uh, of after putting a lot of effort in. But maybe I'm doing it wrong. I don't know. Maybe the answer is I, I pay more money. Who knows? Yeah, this is rad. All right, so I got the card put in uh, right side up this time, and I'm transferring in 175 photographs that I've taken just today on uh, this new uh, new camera. So I'm going to try and uh, book some gigs with this. I got to amortize. I was learning what that word means. I, I don't know. Actually, I don't know what it means, but I think I think it's um, what is it? Yeah, amortize. I think is to recoup your money on an investment. That makes sense. So, spent some buku on this camera body. Now it's time to uh, to make some money by using it for some professionally paying gigs. Got to find some. I don't know. Maybe some weddings. I need to buy some good glass. Right now, I've been going on this big lens sell-off. So I listed a couple lenses, and I was trying to you know get some bucks for them. I sold a couple. Well, so like one one of the 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 things that I was trying to do was add a, add a, a DX lens and the DX lenses was a line of lenses that were made for like the DX sensors as Nikon calls it between the FX full frame line and the digital crop sensor that came out for the DX lenses or DX sensors. So these lenses, this 35 millimeter F1.8 is a DX lens. And because it's like a cropped, setup to start with it doesn't really work well on a full frame camera i noticed that when i try and use it on the film cameras where it doesn't have an aperture ring which is fine and it uses the auto settings but um the big the big thing though is that it's a cropped sensor so or it's a cropped sensor format lens and so vignettes really bad when you use it even wide open on a full frame camera let's say yeah, it, yeah, vignettes really strangely. It was an interesting effect though, but it is a kind of a strange, heavy vignetting. And if, if you stop up, like if you throw it up to like, I don't know, F16 or something, it's right out. You're just going to see a big black box around our big black circle where it's just the, you know, where the, there's no light that's shining through because it's a lens set up for a different kind of camera. So I sold it. 
I sold it. I got some bucks for it. Uh, I had it for a couple of years, man. It was a good investment when I got it. Shot a ton on that thing too. Really fun to have. But a couple of years back, I picked up a, a 28 millimeter F2.8. I think that's going to serve me pretty well. That's what's on the camera at this very moment, in fact. And uh, so, yeah, I've been, uh, been trying to work with that today. Um, sold uh, like an old Tamron lens off, which I'm trying to go all into like higher end Nikon lenses. When I was in college, right, and for the last many years, and I'm sure for many years to come, I really can't afford that much when it comes to, to lenses or glass, but I'm really going to try and push to uh, at least, you know, get something, uh, how do you say, like uh, nicer, you know, just something that's a little further up on the line. I want to get something that's a little bit more durable, a little bit more useful professionally or newer too. I could probably pick up, you know, a beat up lens from the 90s. I'm trying to push it. It's fine. If it's a good lens, if it's one that I need that I can find for a good price. Yeah, I'm in, but, uh, but I'm going to try and push up for, uh, for that nicer tier. So I don't know. I guess some $500 lenses. doesn't sound that bad, but I'm probably not going to do it though either. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but it's going to be exciting though. I'm going to try and uh, shoot a ton with this, uh, this D3 over the next couple of weeks. And it's cool, yeah, seeing all these photos come in that I shot this evening. It's really, uh, it's interesting to see just how how big of a difference it makes, even almost instantaneously shooting full frame. I'm telling you guys, it really does matter, the equipment that you're using. <laughs> Not that you have to buy the equipment I'm using or uh, or anything close to that, but gosh, like, it's not a hindrance to your creativity to not have gear. I get that. I really do. But Gosh, for someone who's uh, probably had an opportunity cost to not having real equipment for too long of a time, man, I mean, I've been a photographer for 10 years and today is the first time I'm staring at some equipment that I would say is comparable to another professional in the field or another, I don't know, strong practicing amateur, you know, anybody that got a 5D Mark II in the last eight years. <laughs> so it's good to uh to jump up uh you know to what we were doing eight years ago i feel uh i feel like i'm right on top of it sounds pretty sweet but um shoot yeah i think i am gonna wrap up here thanks for hanging in for 34 minutes of the billy newman photo podcast i'm gonna jump into lightroom and do a bit more editing in these photos check out and see if i got any gems in here clear those cards off throw them back in this d3 and go out and do a little bit more shooting but uh but yeah i'll catch up with you guys again soon remember for me if you would to uh check out the podcast on itunes give it a uh, subscribe you can hear more of this i know you're what you're thinking now i gotta subscribe right now and yep you're right um so help me out do a subscription and uh, get the next episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast as soon as it comes out. You can also um, rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah. You could review this. This is a really good podcast. So uh, I'd figure you'd rate it pretty highly. Got to get those uh, those listeners in. It's pretty broad, right? You guys think so? Pretty broad, broad market idea. Billy talks by himself into a microphone about outdated camera equipment he's overexcited about receiving and paying a ton for. Man, I'm broke again. Uh, well, on that note, my name is Billy Newman, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. <laughs>